0: off top there are lots of mind control parasites in nature some can control fish and mice but i think my favorite is a mushroom that releases spores that can land on insects and then the insects find really wet places that have just enough sunlight and then clamp down and die and the mushrooms grow out of their back play the music
1: It's the Dominique Foxworth Show. Is Sean McVay a mind control parasite on Jared Goff?
0: (laughs) Did I forget to say off top? I don't know. Okay, I'll say it now. Christina, get your editing game together. Off top. There we go. Um, All right, so I feel like it's a lot about quarterbacks' value to teams beyond their play right now. I think that is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately because the way that Aaron Rodgers has been trying to like lead uh, through the media and the way Tom Brady has been kind of leading differently with his time away from the, uh, the bucks and yelling at people on the sideline and also like making comments through the media about quitting and staying involved. And then there's Russell Wilson who. I guess this is a version of leadership where he's talking about how he spent four hours of his flight to London, essentially rehabbing, doing high knees through the aisles. Like, I I don't know. I think we do a lot of like analysis of of uh, quarterbacks press conferences, and I think they are well aware that this is part of their job, which is why we get. Russell Wilson, I think, and doing this like version of quarterback speak that we all have gotten accustomed to. And we know they don't want to make any say anything controversial. They don't want to criticize their teammates. They don't want to give anybody bulletin board material. They essentially want you us all to walk away like having learned nothing. But Aaron Rodgers ain't doing that right now. And it seems weird. So the big conversation is he's he said that he played really well. His quarterbacks coach graded him out positively and that they need to start taking reps from the guys who are making mistakes. And I don't know. I was kind of forced into a zig on this particular one because my first reaction and the way you have to listen to it also and watch him because it's on McAfee show and you can see him and it's just, it comes off as so damn arrogant. Yeah. And condescending. And we've talked about this on the show a couple of times before is there's a line and organizations that I believe exists. It's invisible, but there's a us in them line. Mm -hmm. And there's normally like, all right, this is us. And then there's them. And it could be like between the office and the defense, between the coaches and the players, between the front office and everyone else who's downstairs. It's the players and, and the coaches and everyone, or it could be like a ring around the whole organization where it's us against them being everyone who's not in this building. And It's important to get as many people on the right side, on the us side of that line as possible. But it seems quite clear that Aaron Rodgers in particular is not. So uh, this is where I'm having trouble. It's one of two things. The guys in the locker room must feel like Aaron Rodgers is either not part of us or He's very much a part of us, and he's trying to circle some other guys out of it who aren't working hard enough. Because I, I could imagine that I've been on teams and in locker rooms that, where there are people who don't perform well enough or people who aren't committed enough, and they're in the good graces of the coaches be it because of contract or whatever other like biases that we perceive. And the guy who's willing to put words to it is a, is a locker room leader. He's a hero. The one who's saying that guy with the big money ain't good enough, you need to sit him down, is a hero. And while that's not exactly what Aaron Rodgers is saying, it's possible, and I think it's a long shot, it's possible that the players in the locker room uh, are, like, encouraged by this because they also, like, see that there are certain players who suck every week and aren't aren't committed to getting better.
1: So, to me, like, from from the outsider view of, of leadership and how it applied to other offices and how I assume it applies to teams at every level from right is a lot of leadership is one being really good at your job two being like an approachable cool guy mm-hmm. and three making everyone feel like they can do their job better. And right. what I think is really interesting about all three of the guys you mentioned, Rogers, Brady, and Wilson in different ways, they sort of, got older and elevated out of the ability to be approachable and be a part of the team. And there's a story I go back to with, um, I think Bill Simmons brought it up, but it's, it's a story about Larry Bird in the book that, that he, he references a lot where he, at the end of his career, he wouldn't actually give his phone number out to his teammates. Cause he's like, you heads are going to get, get drunk and go to your friends and be like, I'm going to call Larry Bird. And it made it so he couldn't be a leader on the team because he had sort of moved past that. And all three of these guys in very different ways have sort of, move past the ability to just lead their team the way they did when they were younger quarterbacks.
0: That's a hell of a story. And I think that's a good point. And I I would put also in your like list of like what being a leader is, it's it's setting an example and it's holding people accountable or Mm -hmm. creating an environment where we hold each other accountable. And to your point, you can like age out of that or succeed out of that where people aren't comfortable holding you accountable. That's like One of the stories we always hear about um, New England is Tom Brady was always, always allowed Bill Belichick, whether you want to say allowed or Bill Belichick just forced it on him. Tom Brady was never above the team. So he was always a part of the us. You know, it was like, he's going to, he's going to rip Tom Brady's ass in a meeting room the same way he would anybody else. And that, Mm -hmm. that means something that like suggests to everybody else that you're one of them. I've always heard stories about how LeBron is really good at this. Is really yeah. good at building relationships and like developing, I don't know how real the friendships are. And this is a bad time to reference it because right now there certainly is a guy in Russell Westbrook who seems so damn isolated. But you hear about LeBron and the parties he throws and how inclusive he is with all his teammates, and you see it mirrored in his style of play. And that's a huge thing, especially when you're LeBron James. Right. Like it's a hard thing to do. And I think we saw that with Tom Brady making a concerted effort when he got to Tampa Bay to do all that. And, and you even see it this year where um, Mike Evans is fighting Marshawn Lattimore on the field in part, because he's like, that's Tom Brady. Like I have to, you can feel the, the value. And I think that when you get to that point, you have, whether you're aware of it or not, you have more like goodwill or cachet or like, I don't know, leadership points. Gravitas. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And uh, and everything that you do is more, like, magnified and yeah. impactful. And uh, I think we talked about this before and how Tom Brady set the culture of Tampa Bay. That was not the culture there before he got there. He got there and he said it because everyone, because he's Tom Brady. And then this year, it seems like there are other things going on taking him away less, like, all in than he was before, which we all understand. And I think that that also bleeds into the culture of the team. and it's hard it's hard to deny that. So sometimes I'm like hesitant to get into these like projections because we don't know everything that's working in the, in the locker room. and that's part of the reason why I tried to create a counter narrative for Aaron Rodgers that like makes him the hero in this scenario. Because while I think it's unlikely, and everyone I've ever talked to who played with Aaron Rodgers or has been close to that team, no one ever has, like, glowing things to say about Aaron Rodgers as, like, his interpersonal or leadership ability. Mm-hmm. So it's probably more likely that he's just – I was going to say going rogue, but I don't think he's – he's not dumb enough to, to, to have, like, just been – speaking honestly and not realize the impact so did he miscalculate the impact or do we not actually know the impact because Aaron Rodgers has been around too long and he's far too smart to to be like caught it is not a
1: gotcha interview he's hanging out with his homeboy Pat McAfee you know so well this is the that's a larger media question too it's like he's in the most comfortable place to get the message he wants out rather than mm-hmm. doing it in the room of reporters and I think it's pretty clear he doesn't want to be blamed for this this is pushing it back on the front office, the coach staff, whoever, being like, I'm not the problem in Green Bay. The roster is the problem. So <laughs> I guess like, that doesn't that's, want to be
0: judged for it. That's where
1: you lose me is because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that dumb. Well, I, like, mean, I don't I don't think so either, but I just think yeah. he, he doesn't care. Yeah, but I, if he doesn't want to be blamed for it, he does care. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah.
0: Maybe he doesn't care if he looks like an asshole, as long as the perception is he's not a bad football player. However, I think that Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to know that him doing this is not going to pan out in the media in the way that you're saying. So that's the only thing that gives me something to hold on to, to say like, there are other people on this team and around this organization who see problems not being addressed. And there ha- and and also, in Aaron Rodgers' defense, the best I can do because, you know, I'm kind of a contrarian. I like to go to these places because my immediate reaction when I heard the quotes was much like everyone else's. But it's also possible that this is a last-ditch effort, you know? Because last week he was like, we need to simplify things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And the weeks before that, it was like positivity, almost toxic positivity. And I imagine that behind the scenes, he was saying the things that he's now saying on McAfee's show. But he wasn't getting the reaction or the response that he desired. And last week, he was like, all right, I'll I'll do a little soft launch of some criticism. We need to simplify that. We came back out and like inherent in that is I think we all thought it was like a criticism of the coach. But I think it was actually a criticism of players. It's like, y'all can't get this stuff right. So I guess we gotta simplify. And then we go into the next week and they still aren't getting stuff right. And so then Aaron is like, all right, guess what, guys? Y'all need to have your reps cut. And I I don't know. That's the best defense I have. As, as a former player, this is one of the times where I think that my former player experience is valuable. Sometimes I think it's overplayed and it's not valuable. <laughs> but I've been the weak link on teams before. Like it's it's inevitable for most corners, unless you're an all-time great, you're gonna have a game where You got beat. You gave a pass interference. Like it just happens. I've been that guy and I've been that guy for a couple of weeks and there's a difference in you doing the best you can and people know your job is hard and they understand. And like you blowing coverages and mental mistakes and messing stuff up. The problem to me is, and this ties into the Tom Brady thing where Tom Brady's yelling and spiking um, uh, uh, tablets is we all are trying hard. You know, like, you yelling at me ain't going to make me try harder.
1: Bill, this is a good – This I have a follow-up now. Because okay. you were at a much higher level being the worst players on teams than I was, but happened much whoa, whoa, sooner. Oh, I never said life. I was the worst player on the team. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. it. just cool. like I had a bad couple of weeks. Well, here's, here's the, the, the question to bring it back around on, on leadership. If you're the one blowing coverages, are you happier that Aaron Rodgers is truthful being like, cut those man's reps – this is honestly a problem. Or are you happier if he pat you on the on the head is like, that's okay, buddy. You did your best. Yeah, I you
0: know me. And you I know, know.
1: <laughs> that what I want more than anything
0: is you to leave me the F alone. Like in times when I've given up game-winning touchdowns, mm-hmm. I remember queer clearly that um I was playing for the Ravens, and this was definitely my fault. We were playing cover zero. We had, we had played really well against the um patriots and we were winning we were leading the game i think i I tipped a pass i broke up a pass that tipped it up and reed got the pick randy moss was there and like i was playing him without help for much of the game and doing okay like i'd get help sometimes but like i told you before my strategy against randy moss was you can have anything 15 and under you're not Mm -hmm. going over the top against me It was the end of the game. They were in a red zone. They needed a touchdown to win. We were in cover zero. This particular coverage, you were supposed to play off. Mm -hmm. And I was off. And then I decided just in a split second, you know what? I'm going to press because I know that if I press, it'll buy um, Tom Brady more time. And it also, like, tells me the route that that, um, Moss is going to run because – Moss like 6'5". If I press him, I know I'm going to get a fade. So I went up and I pressed him, slowed him up a little bit, and then ran to the corner where the fade was going to be. And it was a fade. But the problem was we had a zero blitz and we got to Tom. And I think it might have been Reed again, hit his arm. And so the fade didn't get to the spot. And Moss cut under me, caught it for a touchdown. And I think if he would have just beat me, I would have felt less like shit. Then yeah. it was like you went rogue, and I didn't need nobody to tell me that like you cost us, and I didn't, and no one did tell me that. And I think a couple of people were like, "Hey, don't worry about it. You good? We'd we'll be all right." And that was like fine, but also don't blow smoke up my ass. And I've also right. been on teams where coaches think that, particularly in college, where if you're not playing well, and part of the reason why you're not playing well is because someone is so in college. You don't have as much practice time. The players are not as um, sophisticated. So oftentimes, you don't really game plan. You just kind of run the same defenses, you know? And some teams that are better at game planning will get in your ass. And I remember having that happen before and the coach yelling at us in the secondary and, and, like, believing that he needed to wake us up. And I remember standing out, there like, no, actually, they knew we're going to run for cloud every down because that's what we run every damn down. And they are doing cloud beaters and we can't do nothing about it, like unless you want us to go rogue. And so I don't know how I got here, but I just know that the point is leadership is different at different levels and with different people. And part of that is knowing what buttons to push when you can push them. But the most important thing, I think, is one of the things that you pointed out is and, and the theme of the, like the line that I've talked about is you got to be with us. Yeah. We don't want to follow you. We want to like go together and have that buy-in. And that was one of the most impressive things about the Ravens when I was on that team is they had a bunch of hall of famers on that team, but there was a level of accountability there that was organization, organizational wide, you know, like throughout the entire organization, there was like, the Raven's way kind of feeling and um, and it didn't feel fake or phony and we, we did weird things that were like rituals but those weird rituals like made us feel more together and there was a, a an amount of like like shame almost if you were slacking it was like you know and it's different than being the guy who like wants to be seen watching right. film Like, I never I remember being in Denver thinking about um, like and this is partially just my own insecurity and being a low drafted guy is like I want to be I want the coaches to recognize that I'm here and I care a lot. That was like part of my mindset, especially early in my career in Denver. And then in Baltimore, it never crossed my mind. I was in there because like that's what we did. Right. You know, like we had these meetings that was after practice. We never called the coach and like we would meet at my house and watch film every week, the entire defensive backfield. At no point did we call coach and say we're meeting tonight, right. you know, like it was just what we did. And that's like, I don't know. I always think about this. Uh, was it? Um, I forget which uh, uh, crisis. Uh, international crisis we were in, but I think Obama was in office and, and he got like mocked for saying that we were going to lead from the side and not from the front or the back. You remember that? I always think about this quote with, um, and I think it was Barack Obama. He got like mocked for it, but it was a crisis in Libya. And we were like getting involved with our normal allies. And Obama said he would, that we would lead from behind which like I it's easy to pick on, but like it's kind of what like the best type of leadership is is not necessarily from behind, but like from within, you know, standing out front to me is like I guess the definition of leadership, but that's not a really effective way to lead people because that to me feels like, uh, I don't know, like an authoritarian feel and I don't know everybody who's like, worked, or even if they're in college, they work on a group project, you know, when you have buy-in and when you're just like punching a clock and your value is so much better on something that you give a damn about and something you believe in and something that you feel like you're a co-leader in, like you provide so much more commitment than when you're just like, Hey, let's get these minutes. But anyway, I got way off course with that, but it's something that I, I don't know. I find it interesting and I'm, I don't know, passionate about it. I do want to get back to Russell Wilson a little bit mm-hmm. because, and I, I made a pledge to my wife that I'm not going to make fun of him. And, and generally I think I'm trying to be better about contributing to the toxic sports atmosphere. Oh, I'm going to laugh at him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can do that. You can do that. I'll be the other side. I appreciate it. Okay. um, But I don't want to be as, as you know, my man Kevin Durant said the atmosphere is toxic, and I think he's right. And I want to get these yeah. jokes off too, but there's a line that we cross that feels like uh, it's just unfair and it's mean and it's like, do we? It just feels like we're haters, you know? Like
1: these guys are f- incredible. Like let's not, you know, like cool. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I'm not pretending he was not an excellent quarterback. I, yeah. I am, however, going to laugh at reports of him doing high knees. In the aisles of an international flight so, with his teammates sleeping. Because if I woke up on a plane and my man Russ was doing high knees, I would turn to him and say, what the f*** are you doing? <laughs> yeah, thanks,
0: thanks for cutting me off because I was getting away from the point. The point is I want to be a more civil human, but Russell Wilson is making it hard. He is making it so hard. Like, I want to. You saw me just bend into a pretzel to give Aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt. But, Russell, when players say, I don't listen to the outside noise, I assume that they're lying. Yes, of course. But I have no other way of understanding what Russell's doing other than, yeah, he thinks this is working like what what is the explanation because there's no way. Come on. Come on. Okay, let me I'll get out the way because I know that you're smart cuz you got on glasses today and you're going to explain this to me. But let me roll this out for you right now. Do you think so Russell before the the conversation he decided that he wanted to get this out. Yes. This right. And do you think that Russell thought that this was going to be well received considering the way that we've all been talking about him and treating him lately? Yes. You think you think that he thought that we were gonna
1: be like, oh yeah,
0: he's yeah. bought in.
1: Yeah, football guy Russ. I mean, it's the same thing as him rehabbing his his finger sixteen hours a day and having to get woken up at night to have his finger bent last year when he had a when he had hammer finger. So the thing about Russ is he's reached the zone. His quotes almost sound fake. They literally almost sound like a PFT comment or quote made yeah. for Russ. Right. I I I don't think
0: he thinks we're that stupid. Or so do do you think he's actually hearing the noise? Like the, the yes, inauthenticity. Yes, he sees
1: everything. He he sees everything.
0: Okay. And you think that he believes that he is gonna win us back with stuff like this?
1: So I think he's authentically inauthentic. What the hell does that if mean? If that makes any sense. This is all <laughs> he this is he's been doing this for so long. Okay. I've I've played against Russell Wilson in high school football, and my man went over to the parents of the opposing team after he torched us and networked with the prep school parents. This man has been doing this since he was 17 years old. He shook hands and acted like he was the president at that point. Oh my gosh. I remember I did. You never told that story before. Before I was, I was embarrassed of potentially putting that embarrassing story out there, but at this point it fits perfectly.
0: Yeah, Nate Nate Tice on, was on Debatable with us and said that Russell Wilson is always running for president and we should look at everything he does through that prism, which is a good idea, but so, okay, we'll move on from this because I don't think we're going to get anywhere because I refuse to believe that he Whoa. thinks we're that stupid or he's that disconnected that he, th- that he thought that he was going to win us all over with. High knees
1: in the airplane aisle. I got, I got one follow up on this. Did you see Graziano reported that Hackett could get fired after this game? Yeah. Is that actually gonna fix anything? Like that's unprecedented. He hasn't done anything like Urban Meyer, and to get fired halfway through his first season would be crazy.
0: Well, yeah. He, I don't get the point of it unless it's there's something else going on that we haven't heard of heard of yet. But he wasn't hired by the new ownership, so like that could be part of it. They want their own guy. And you're more likely to like want to give some more leash to the guys you brought in or concoct some elaborate explanation for why he's bad. I don't know what else is happening, but, and it's not college where I think in college, there is some value to getting them out quickly. You know, there's some value to recruiting and looking for new coaches. I, I don't see that as the case, or maybe it is, maybe they can be more aggressive about the other coaches that they're going for if they get them out as quickly as possible. But if they're already having these conversations and it's already getting to people like Dan, then it seems like even if he doesn't go now, he's gone. And he got, that's yeah. a real short, short tenure. Um, And they're gonna bring somebody in, I guess, who can fix Russ is
1: the next step, I would assume. Plyometrics, coach. <laughs> Stop it.
0: Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful slash df today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help com slash df all
0: right um
2: i i did want to hit on a couple
0: other quarterbacks like the lamar jackson stuff we we got the thursday night game uh mm-hmm. coming up and lamar and brady are going at it I, I watched rewatched their their browns game and this is a kind of general criticism not of lamar particularly, but his play is up and down, but you know, me and like my like broad philosophies on like game planning and stuff like that. And one of the things that I think is a problem is blitzing Lamar seems like the best answer that anybody has. And the way you get people to stop blitzing is not by protecting the blitz necessarily, although it's part of it, but it's by making them pay. And this Mm -hmm. goes kind of back to what I was saying was part of the problem with the Rams offense is they don't make anybody pay for taking risks. And I think that's the issue. And it's a bigger issue for the Ravens because they run a lot of two tight end sets. Like they run a lot of two tight ends and two back, like 22 personnel. They run a lot of 21 personnel. They be having fullbacks on the field. And from what I understand, Lamar likes that stuff for his design runs. But what is the risk for blitzing that? Like, all right, you blitz that personnel grouping. So you have a, a fullback in the slot and Andrews uh, as an inline tight end. If you blitz that and those guys hit you for six yards, so what? We'll do it again. And like, I, I hate that. And I don't know what the solution is because part of the problem is, I think they don't believe in their defense, right. which means they want to run the ball and possess it more. They want to have these methodical drives and they don't want to have three and outs, which like if you're trying to crack people over the head, when they blitz, sometimes it's harder. I mean, not sometimes it's harder to hit those big shots. And sometimes you're going to have to punt it away to a defense that you don't trust. So I don't know what the answer is uh, necessarily, but I think we should accept. And I know you want to talk about this, about Lamar's uh, play and how it's, somewhat up and down go ahead
1: well yeah no i just want part of me is i don't know if the the standard that we're holding quarterbacks to of whether they're going to be tom brady or peyton manning or in a more modern terms josh allen or mahomes if that is so lofty that if that's what it takes to be an elite quarterback if that's an impossible standard and if we should accept being more up and down because he's been really up and down since 2019 not that he's not been a top five top seven whatever however you want to rank that that second tier of excellent quarterbacks. Um, But he hasn't been consistently dominant like we saw in 2019. And like we were hoping to see at the beginning of this season when he came out hot, it's been very up and down for the last four, four weeks, five weeks. And that's like, I I think that that's a larger trend with the last three years of Lamar that I don't know if it's concerning or just like a real something that we need to realize is normal for everyone who's not an alien, like Patrick or Josh. Yeah. I think that's part of
0: it is, there's a a tier that no one's reaching other than those two guys. And their tier is also predicated on what's happening around them from coaching uh, all the way down to personnel. So Lamar did reach that tier for one year. Uh, and then some of the defenses caught up to some of the, the scheme stuff that they were doing, and they haven't had another, another evolution. That's what's been really impressive about the Chiefs is um, Mahomes numbers are not as crazy as they were when he first got on the scene and people took time to catch up and figure it out, but they figured it out. They caught up and then they like evolved some. This offense is a far cry from what it was as far as scheme is concerned in the past, but it's just as damn efficient. Right. And, and Josh Allen, we've seen Josh Allen's like play, last year wasn't as good as the year before but like he's he's developing and things are changing they're evolving and i haven't seen the same thing from not lamar as much as it's everyone around lamar and and lamar should be included in this like the, the big criticism for lamar for me is his uh his accuracy great and that ain't gonna change. Look, uh, I mean, Josh Allen's the only person, only quarterback in the history of football who's ever had a significant jump in accuracy. So Lamar's accuracy hasn't changed. So you're gonna have to create zone windows and create play action to have uh people beat man on man to man or have receivers that can create separation. Like you build around those things, and it doesn't feel like the ravens have effectively uh done that. And Rashad Bateman's the, the answer, but he can't stay healthy. And I also think. The answer is to like get some of these big bodies off the field, yeah. <laughs> and and um and which they don't have the personnel to, to replace them uh, all the way. Like they don't have a deep receiving core, so that's that's a challenge. They know what they're gonna receive, they know what they're gonna get, and you don't see you see very little empty out of them. Even though you know Lamar is gonna get blitzed a lot, and we've talked about how. Effective empty is because it forces the team to declare. So I don't know. I, I expected Lamar to get back to that MVP level is probably unlikely, but he's going to get a huge contract whenever it's time to pay him. And this team is going to be a perennial playoff team and occasional Super Bowl like uh, contender because of how good he is and how well run the organization tends to be. But Getting to that
1: Mahomes level is something else altogether. What well, do you think their window is going to be closed? More closed when they have to pay him, because if the personnel is not right now, can you expect the personnel to get better with him occupying a significant portion of the cap? Yeah,
0: I think so. I I, I don't know. I, I I know that people, or I I understand, and it's a legitimate argument that the rookie deal, uh, for a quarterback. Like, gives you a ton of flexibility. But I would push back and say that what you have to do is when you've had a quarterback, a rookie, a quarterback on a rookie deal outplaying that rookie deal, yes, that takes a lot of pressure off. It gives you a lot more flexibility to make mistakes and make decisions, but you are underpaying him for what he's producing. Once you start paying him the value that he's worth, it's now the job of the front office to do their job. And so I don't believe while having a quarterback on a rookie deal is the best thing you can have in football.
1: Yeah.
0: Having awesome guys.
1: Having an awesome quarterback. Yeah. 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 I mean, having an awesome quarterback and just having an awesome quarterback on any deal. Yeah. having an
0: awesome quarterback on any deal, but also finding other awesome guys on rookie deals like the Peyton Manning second Super Bowl win. Yeah. That was the Von Miller Super Bowl. Yeah. They had Von Miller on a rookie deal. So like, that's what it comes down to for me is like, all right, now you got to do your job. Right. You know, you got to do what you get paid for. DaCosta, like, it's now you have to find other gems elsewhere, and and that's the answer. But, yeah, having having a quarterback at all is, like, step <laughs> one in football that your job gets easier even if you have to pay them uh, good money. As we see, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are, like, competitive every year, and no one thinks that Kirk Cousins is, like, the top of the league, but and they're paying him top of the league money every year, but somehow they still put together – a roster to be like competitive and, and Lamar Jackson is
1: better than Kirk Cousins. Can we pivot this actually to the giant Seahawks game? I think this a, and, and Gino and Gino. Okay. Right. So, cause I think this game is fascinating about teams that rebuilt a lot faster than we thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. And so I know this offseason, both of these quarterbacks are going to be, people are going to talk about their contract a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think you could easily put the proxy of like which which of these guys deserves a, a long term deal or a better deal uh, or a bigger deal, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's pretty obvious that what Geno Smith is doing, like it's like almost like Tannehill. It's a second draft yeah. thing. This dude has a lot of arm talent. This is probably who he is. A later career researcher. I think the Daniel Jones one is fascinating because I think tricky. I but I think you could make an argument in Dayball's offense, that if you got him on an affordable deal, they should, because I think wide receiver is a bigger problem than quarterback right now for the Giants.
0: Which is why it's tricky. And I I don't think they should let Daniel Jones. I've done, done a, a complete 180. I don't think they should let Daniel Jones leave. And if they have to franchise him, I think they need to franchise him uh, because he's shown enough. And there's enough explanation for why he was so bad in the past. And he's shown enough with his decision making and his running ability to suggest That's that the running there's yeah, to suggest that there's there's something to be built here. The problem is, which is why I think you franchise him, is because you don't want this to be fool's goal, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to commit to a to him long term just yet. But you don't want to let him walk out the door because as we mentioned before, like even the value, I mean the value that he provides a quarterback right now is above average and that's really what you want uh, above average sixth in qbr yeah it's sixth in qbr lamar's fifth is for all the all the criticism that we're we're heaping on both of them while their qbrs are low because every all the passing numbers are lower this year um their qbr still are fifth and sixth, so they're amongst the best quarterbacks and geno smith is fourth i think mm-hmm. so they're doing all right but yeah i mean i think you got to keep them in the building and i don't think you want to commit to him long term so you're looking at north of 30 million dollars a year if you commit to him long term and i don't think you want to do that just yet but the i guess the risky thing is it puts you in this lamar situation where if you franchise him and he takes another leap <laughs> like you were hoping that he would take then you're looking at a monster deal so like that's a i don't know what they're seeing in practice or how they can evaluate these uh drop passes and how they can project what he can become but like this is an opportunity to lock him up to like 30 a year for
1: uh, several years if you think that he can be something see i didn't even know if he was gonna go that high i thought you might be able to get him for even less this offseason because <sighs> i i wonder if the perception of him is still as a low-end starter around the league because the his value is really what the market says at this point right and i i I'm gonna be fascinated by it. But then you look at the receiving core and it's like they spent this money on Kenny Galladay, who's been an outright disaster. Uh Kadarius Toney is sick, but he can't ever stay on the field. They don't, they randomly don't play Wandale Robinson. Like they don't have professional pass catchers on the field for him. So it's like, and we've talked about this over and over again the value of top of top flight receivers. Yeah. He has none of that. But Dable has unlocked something with him as a runner that is at least making the offense competent. And I would be very interested to see a really strong offense built around a mid-level quarterback salary in Daniel Jones. It feels like you
0: mentioned Tannehill when you're talking about Geno, but like with the Derrick Henry and Saquon, like comparison, this feels very, and like the athleticism running ability, this feels very Tannehill-ish also, but not with the switching teams, but with the quarterback that's not, the straw that stirs the drink, but is helping out. That's a bad analogy. I don't. I was. I don't know. Does it make him then ice or sugar or water? I don't know. But anyway, the point is, um he's not the catalyst. And down in Tennessee, it seems like they already this all. I mean, previous off season, I guess they didn't draft a quarterback high, but it, it does appear that they are interested in an upgrade or a new decision at some point, even though he's playing okay. All right. So I'm looking at the like average annual value for contracts for quarterbacks. And the reason why I landed on 30 is like, that's what Matt Ryan's getting. That's Jared Goff around there. Carson Wentz. Uh, That's like, uh, yeah, it's around what you, I think, given that those contracts weren't signed uh, a long time ago. I, I would think that's why I landed on 30 is because I think that he's a starting quarterback. Yeah. You have to pay him even if it's bottom of the starting quarterback market. You're gonna to have to pay him bottom of the starting quarterback market. And like, I don't know. It's a it's a risky decision. I don't know if you want to hinge your future to Daniel Jones based on this start that we all agree is improbable. And I guess maybe Daniel
1: Jones may not may also want to bet on himself. Who knows? Right. I mean, that's the interesting. That is an interesting part. Is like one. Those contracts seemed immense when Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz signed them, and now they're great deals. Uh, even though those guys aren't very good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that's right. If that's if you can get Daniel Jones on that contract, assuming he continues to play like this for for most of the rest of the season and doesn't fall off a cliff,
0: yeah, the same situation with Gino coming up yeah. here is like he bet on himself with one year deal. Um, I, I don't know what the decision is there because it, it for whatever reason, and maybe this is just like some some uh, bias that I have in my mind that isn't based on roster or coaching, but like it feels like the Giants are closer than the Seahawks, which maybe it's just because they have a better record because I, when I'm running through the rosters in my, mi- in my mind, I don't feel like they're actually that much more talented than the Seahawks. The Seahawks at least have uh, a couple of good receivers. So I, I don't know what the decision is for Geno Smith going forward. What do you think? Am I just like harboring some like old, you know, biases?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to say because I, I, I do think like you flip teams Gino mm-hmm. Smith would be doing just as well in the giants and Daniel right. Jones would be struggling on, on the Seahawks likely. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, Geo Smith has bet on himself four years in a row. He's taken four consecutive one-year deals when he had long-term offers to be back, uh, a of quarterback in different situations. I think you probably pay him a similar contract because the arm talent was always there. And that's why mm-hmm. he was a second round pick. That's why he people early in his uh, last year at West Virginia thought he was going to Heisman. It was a potential high first rounder it was always the noise around Geno Smith. And part of that, he might've just matured as as like a person too, person and football player because he makes awesome throws. Regardless of if you have Lockett or Metcalf, he has like legitimate ball placement and arm strength that is that of a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's gonna, I think that does demand a salary. And they're actually playing the Shane Waldron offense that Russ was like, against using, and he's thriving in that. And that seems repeatable to me because that's like, you know, if you are capable of making those throws in this offense, I don't see what will change with those guys surrounding you.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI – Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets
2: Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: All right, um, I got a couple other things. Like, we can do our wagers that we are now 10 and eight on because somehow the Bears went off (laughs) and the Patriots and the Bears went over 40.5 so we lost that one and we dropped to 10 and eight but we're still over 500 I like that um and there was a couple little quick hitter things that I saw that were kind of interesting what do you want to do either neither or both uh let's go to the quick hitters so I just saw on the train that I had forgotten that Kanye had an agency Oh, and God, yeah. Uh, yeah, Aaron Donald is leaving it and um, Jalen Brown is leaving it. I, I I never understood. I mean, I guess I do understand the athlete in the agency uh, like, or excuse me, the entertainer and agency collaboration, but it never really feels like it is sustainable, like from right. Master P to Jay-Z. And this is a very different one with um Kanye West, like his... Adidas is leaving him. He's just toxic now for all the absurd things that he's been saying. But I don't know. Maybe we should start an agency. Start it <laughs> up. Get it going. Uh, I'm not I'm not famous enough. I guess you don't get any cachet for being... I'm
1: certainly not famous enough.
0: <laughs> you got glasses, though. You look trustworthy now it, that you're wearing your glasses. It's true. Uh, the other thing that I saw uh, on the train is Neiman Marcus catalog. Like, they do this ridiculous holiday catalog every year. of Really expensive stuff. You want to pool 300 $33,000 so that we can play two-on-two two with Scottie Pippen and his son. You in? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Did you see that? No. I didn't even know they were still making catalogs, but absolutely. Uh, it's probably digital by this point, but like, they always like have absurd things in there that just – I guess super rich. I guess I always just thought it was like a marketing ploy, but I guess super rich people actually buy these things sometimes. So
1: on honestly, ESPN financed that so that Scottie Pippen could come on the podcast afterwards. I promise you he will make a lot of news and it'll be worth your, it'll be worth <laughs> oh, the value we pay for it.
0: He doesn't miss Anytime you put a mic in front of him, he's going to say so. Wow. And I saw Brady's text buddies with Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis now. It wasn't something that he wanted to get out, but I would have thought he'd been careful after that MAGA hat in the locker thing. because right. he doesn't want to dip into podcasts politics but i guess giselle and him are maybe moving into a different situation and now tom brady needs some new friends
1: not great
0: <laughs> all right let's do the bet <laughs> and get up out of here before uh, i make I... you any more uncomfortable
1: no 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 um i think we all know we're in vigorous agreement on on all this stuff. Yes, <laughs> um yes. so i got i got a, i got a, a spicy bet for the first one all right i was looking at the bills versus the field for the super bowl this one's it's plus 250 odds and you're like wow that's a massive favorite and i think we logically would always say you got to take the field football is a one game sample it's there's a lot of randomness who knows what could happen but in my head i also looked at that and i was like okay assuming there's not a major injury assuming steph diggs doesn't like roll an ankle or gabe davis or josh allen doesn't get hurt like I kind of think the gap between the bills and everyone else is even bigger than we realize. Yeah. And that might actually be a prudent bet at some point, not because of not now, because there's too much stuff that could change. But it's interesting because like, I can't see even the chiefs being that close to them. If the bills are playing well.
0: Right. And they have the tiebreaker against the chiefs, assuming they have to go to Buffalo. That seems like a actual advantage, not just the the noise, but, I mean, I guess it gets cold as hell in Kansas City too, but Buffalo is different. That that's, that's Canada up there. Um, yeah. I mean, so that means that we have to bet hundred, or we get we got to bet two fifty to get a hundred, right? Opposite. Oh, hundred to get two fifty. Oh, yeah. I'm all in on that. I like that. All right. The only problem with that is we don't we don't um we don't get to add this to our record until late. So it's just make it to the Super Bowl or win it. Win it. Yeah, I guess if they're gonna make it, they're definitely well, not definitely. I think the Eagles could beat them, but yes. Yeah, That feels good.
1: That feels good. I like that. All right. What else you got? The other one I have is I want to workshop this one with you because I thought this line was really interesting. The Pats are minus one and a half against the Jets. And I don't know what the hell they're doing with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi right now. You got Jacoby Myers being like, this was unseemly the way they handled the Mac Jones thing in the press. (laughs) we knew there was tension with Belichick and Mac Jones before this happened when the injury, when his high ankle sprain first happened. And I also loathe betting against the Patriots because they've been better than the Jets for most of the season. But in my in my heart of hearts, I kind of think the Jets could beat them this weekend. And I don't know where you want to lay on this because I think we should bet on this game because it's it's juicy, but I can be swayed in either direction. So I think
0: that there are two competing forces right now is one is if we just looked at the most recent games, the Jets are winning and playing really well on defense. So you would want to go with them. Because the quarterback drama in New England. However, the quarterback situation and with the Jets is pretty bad, too.
1: Really bad. And Brees Hall's out.
0: Yep. And they lost their offensive engine. And Bill Belichick still can put together a gym every now and then from coaching. Like, it's either that or I'm letting, like, the previous history of Bill Belichick, like, shade my better judgment but given the fact that zach wilson is not all that impressive and the engine of their offense being Brees hall is out i think the 1.5 gives us a, a real opportunity and uh i think we go with the pats here let's go i'm with it all right i like it all right appreciate you charlie thanks sarah christina and adi you guys are the best and thank you guys for listening Thank you all. Rate you subscribe review oh, yes. debatable
1: podcast.
0: Yeah, that's right, I forgot to plug. Rate subscribe review this one first, then debatable. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.